And good morning to everyone. I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles up to the book of Exodus, chapter 12. Exodus 12, as we go through the entirety of God's Word. You know, again, the Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah, line upon line, precept upon precept is the way we study God's Word. You know, the Bible, if somebody gets off in a doctrine, if you read the entirety of the Bible, it's going to bring you back to what God's truth is. And that's why it's important that, again, Jesus said we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I sometimes like to live on those words that I like. God says you need to live on all of them. It's going to give you a balanced diet. Got to eat your vegetables. You know, that's one of the things. I know a lot of us just like to eat cotton candy and pretend we're at the fair every day. But the truth of the matter is there's a time when we have to grow up in our relationship with God. And knowing the entirety of God's word, we see, first of all, the love of God. And this is today one of the principal things that I believe we need to preach in God's kingdom. But also there is the wrath of God that unfortunately is lacking so much in the world today. In other words, God is this big, big God in heaven with a long flowing beard and big, heavy, thick sunglasses on, and doesn't really see what's really going. No, 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 friends. That's not the Bible definition of God. In fact, God sees it all, and thank God that he does. I always tell people, you know, I love that when uh, I'm scooting down the road backwards on the ice in January, I'm glad I'm in God's God's eye at that point. So as we look at this today, we're going to pick up the story where we left off last week, We remember that God had told Moses, now the 10th plague is going to come. The firstborn is going to die. Why is it, and by the way, this plague, the 10th plague that came upon the land of Egypt, why was it the firstborn of Egypt must die? I think that's a good question. Why wasn't it something else like like fire come down from heaven or something else? Why was it the firstborn? Because back in Exodus chapter 4, verse 22, Moses tells Pharaoh, let my people go that they may worship me because Israel is my firstborn. It is interesting, God has requirements. And unless those requirements are made, there's a debt to be paid. This is one of the great problems for all of humanity, that there's a debt that we have to pay for our sins. Now, again, the Ten Commandments were never meant to justify a man. They were meant to show us how desperately we needed a Savior. In fact, even when the disciples of Jesus heard that the Gentiles were getting saved in the book of Acts, they said, what rules are we going to, what of the commandments are we going to make the Gentiles come under since none of us could ever keep the Ten Commandments. And so understanding that really we had to have somebody save us because we're incapable of saving ourselves. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word today, we ask you that your Holy Spirit would now come and and show us, God, your wonderful truths in your word, that we would have a balanced understanding of your love and the judgment upon this world that is to come. And so we ask you now that you would motivate us. Holy Spirit, come and be our our invited guest here today. That you would cause us to remember these things. And Lord, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, let's go to verse 21 of chapter 12. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourself according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. Now, friends, again, Jesus said, Search the scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life, but they are which testify of me. They're all about me. Jesus said the Old Testament is all about him. And you know, when we really study the scripture, and I'll tell you, I've been through the Old Testament many, many times, but what I always find interesting is I'll always find a new picture of Jesus. I think about the prophet that goes through the streets of Jerusalem carrying a water pot. And by the way, that was women's work in those days. But here is a guy, a prophet, carrying a water pot through the city of Jerusalem, gathers a crowd because that's not something that normally happens, takes the pot, goes outside the walls of Jerusalem, throws it down and says, this is what God thinks of your sin. You kind of look at that and go, well, that's kind of an interesting story. But what's weird about that? Jesus, God Almighty, the Bible says, God's only begotten son. In fact, he shall be called Emmanuel. Matthew 1.1 means God with us puts on flesh, a clay pot, if you will. He is then taken through the streets of Jerusalem, outside the city walls. Jesus is crucified for our sins. This is what God thinks of your sin. The pot was broken. Now, when you look at that, you realize God has picture types all the way through the Bible. He said, now take a Passover lamb. The Bible says Jesus was our Paschal lamb that took away the sins of the world. That's who Jesus is. This all reflects back to him. So we understand how great and how important what Jesus did for us, that God is a legal God. He's not some willy happenstance, oh, whoopee, whoopee kind of thing. No, everything is done according to his plan. The wages of sin is death. That's what the Bible says. That's God's economic standard. We have to understand that. God has a value system. Now, today, well... The United States used to be on the gold system, and then we ran out of gold. So then we went on the silver system, and then we ran out of that. And then we were on the penny standard, the copper in the pennies. And then they decided there was three cents worth of copper in a penny. So therefore, we can't make the pennies out of copper anymore. So now they're copper-plated zinc slugs. We find our economic system crumbling, but God has an economic system too. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin or remission of sin. Now, why is that important? And I need to know how God's going to judge the world someday. The Bible tells us in his word how God's going to judge the world. And God is a legal God. He's a, he's a businessman, friends. You look at the parables that Jesus gave. To one he gave ten, one he gave five, one he gave one talent. Said, go do something with it. I'll be back. I'll be back. And he came back. He called his servants into accountability and said, what did you do with the ten I gave you? And he says, well, master, I went out and made ten more. What did you do with the five I gave you? I went out and made five more. By the way, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. Be ruler over ten cities. See, God rewards us for what we do. And we remember the guy with one talent. He said, well, here it is. I 
just buried it in the dirt because I knew you were a hard man. You always try to get something where you haven't given anything. That didn't make the master happy. He said, you lazy servant, you at least went down and put the talent in the bank. I'd have got interest. You're too lazy to do that. Take it away from the man who has one and give it to the man who has 10. But Lord, he already had 10. He says, everybody that has, when you've been faithful, more will be given unto you. And if you're unfaithful in what you have, what you have will be taken away. Friends, this is why I look at this. Be faithful in what God's given you. It's a reflection of Jesus Christ. Like we study in the Old Testament, the Paschal Lamb, those things that God does in your life are a reflection of Jesus Christ in your life today. What has God given you? Do you have an eye for the kingdom? And interesting, the Bible says that, that we, we need to uh, con- uh, pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Walk around with our eyes clenched, bumping into walls? No. What it means is a constant state of the awareness of God's presence in your life. As a Christian, friends, I want that. I don't want to just come see God on Sunday morning. Hey, God, looks like you're doing pretty good here. See ya. No, God goes with us wherever we go. I shared this story. I was in a church one time, and the minister on Sunday morning gets up and goes, as he's praying, he goes, Oh, Lord, as we come into your presence today. Say, dude, where you been all week that you thought you were out of God's presence? We're always in God's presence. Isn't that great to know? Like I say, when you're scooting down backwards on the ice in January in your car, I'm glad God's there. See, God's not hard to find if you know him. The problem is, if you're estranged from God, your sins are blocking your relationship with God, you don't want to find God. You want to escape from God. You don't want to go to church. You don't want to be around people who love God. Why? Because of conviction. In other words, I know that there's a standard that God wants, and I don't want to meet that legal requirement, so therefore it's better to just stay stoned or drunk or running from the sins I can't erase. That's the problem. So, pick out for yourself the Paschal Lamb. Listen, God picked out a lamb for you and me called Jesus Christ. He paid a debt that I could not pay. I like that about God. God always makes the first move. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You know that's the first encounter you'll have when you have visitors come over, unless you're out in your front yard mowing the lawn? The first encounter you have is knock, 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 and you open the door. See, the... The Bible says Jesus made the first move. He knocks at the door of our heart. Okay, let's look. He says, and you'll take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in a basin, and strike the lintel, the doorpost, with that blood that is in the basin, and none of you shall go out the door of your house until morning. Very clear God's direction concerning what is about to come. Now, friends, listen. There was a judgment that was going to come upon the world in Noah's day. Anybody, anyone could have got in the ark. But they laughed at Noah. In fact, the Bible said he preached to his generation. 
There's not one place in the Bible that I know of where Noah preached a sermon other than with his hammer and saw. And for a hundred, over a hundred years, he built the ark. I imagine he was ridiculed. Hey, why don't you turn that into a casino? Hey, what is that weird thing you're doing? And then all of a sudden, all these weird animals start showing up. And two by two, they start getting in this big box. What's that all about? I don't know, man. You know, maybe maybe he's doing a zoo. I don't know. They fail to interpret the data at hand. Now, in other words, when you start seeing things weird out of the normal, that should perk your interest. First of all, you got a guy working on a boat for 100 years. Now, all of a sudden, all these animals start showing up. And they still didn't get it. The Bible says God closed the door. Now, that would be weird. The last animal goes in and all of a sudden, the door's closed. That's it. Pharaoh was about to have a judgment come upon his land as well. In fact, as a matter of fact, there's a judgment, everyone, getting ready to come upon this world. We know as Christians as the tribulation period. The Bible says that God's bride is not appointed to his wrath. And we do know that the tribulation period is God's wrath being poured upon an unbelieving world and dealing with his nation of Israel that last final seven-year period of time, the 70th week of Daniel. Here's the point. If we know it's coming, there was judgments in the Bible. There was warnings of judgments in the Bible before it actually came. See, you're you're on the inside scoop. You you know what God's doing. But Mike, how do we know? I mean, how do you know the world isn't going to go on for another 50 or 100 or 200 years? Friends, it can't. Now, let me explain why. There's not a single weapon that man has invented that he has not used. That ought to cause every one of you that aren't Christians to lay awake at night. No wonder you need to eat no-dos. The reason why is there's a worldwide pending judgment. Now, when you realize that North Korea, Iran... These underdeveloped nations that, in fact, they listed North Korea as one of the poorest countries on earth now possess nuclear weapons. Friends, they don't have anything to lose. Do you think that this is going to go on for years and years and years, given the current economic stress in the world, given the medical issues that are befriending man? You see, a person that can think gets back and looks at this and goes, this is going to go off the cliff here. Well, yeah, it is. America, $28.8 trillion in debt. Your Congress just approved another $3 trillion. Now think about that for a minute. Over $30 trillion, all the nations of the world combined are not as far in debt as we are. There's going to come a point where people are going to say, we don't want your money. We don't want your stuff. Now, what will happen? Your 401k becomes a 01k. 
Inflation runs rampant. I watched the story last night on local television. They were talking about, well, you know, inflation's bad, but nothing to worry about yet. Oh, what? Yet? People put their hope, faith, in the wrong things. Just as it was when God was speaking to Moses, there's going to be a judgment in the land of Egypt. We know God's judgment is coming on this earth. And so he says, take the blood of the lamb, put it on the lintel, on the sides, and on the head. Notice it doesn't say on the threshold. Sides, by the way, the principal places that Jesus bled from his hands and his head. We remember that that um, not on the lintel. Why? Not on the, on the, on the, on the uh, threshold, on the floor. Why? Because we don't trample the blood of God underfoot. Well, notice he says here, by the way, hyssop all the way through the Bible is used for purification. It's a weird thing that God does. In fact, when Jesus was on the cross and he said, I thirst, They took a sponge soaked in sour wine and lifted it up to Jesus on what? A branch of a hyssop. Interesting, we find that noticed here as well. And so it says that uh, don't go out of your house till morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians when he sees the blood on the lintel on the doorpost. The Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. It is interesting here, the word destroyer to come in to you. It is interesting to me, the Bible says Satan is the destroyer. Some people wonder who this death angel was that passed through the land. And there's some pretty good argument for that being Satan. Well, why would God allow that? Because you got to remember something. The devil is still God's devil. The devil can only do what God allows him to do. Read the book of Job, first couple of chapters, you'll get the picture. So remember that. He can't just willy-nilly do whatever he wants to do. He's still God's devil. But here's the point. I believe the devil and the demons want to destroy all of humanity. I do. I think every time the devil and the demons look at humanity, kill them all. Why is that? Well, remember, the Bible says God made man a little lower than the angels, didn't bother the devil at all. But then God said, I'm going to elevate those that love me of this new creation called humans above the angels. In fact, 1 Corinthians 6 says, do you not know someday you will judge angels? Speaking of the fallen ones. And elevate them above the angels and call them his bride, God's bride. That's who you are. Now, again, you find picture types of this all the way through the Bible. As an example, when uh, Abraham sent his servant out to get Isaac, his son, a wife, the unnamed servant goes, goes to a place. He goes, Lord, I don't know who to have come home, find a bride. The one who offers to water the camels, that's the one. The one that acts as a servant, that's the one. Having never been to Abraham's home, have never seen Isaac, this young girl follows an unnamed servant home. You, having never been to heaven, 
never seen Jesus face to face. You follow that unnamed servant called the Holy Spirit to Jesus. And someday we'll be with him. Now the Bible says that as we uh, examine the whole picture of God's ultimate plan, I believe when he, when, when, when the devil heard that you were going to be elevated above the angels, I believe this is what caused him and a third of the host of heaven to rebel as well. That there was going to be something above them. And I believe every time the devil looks at human beings, kill them. So was the destroyer where God said, okay, go ahead, but you can't touch anybody that doesn't have the blood. And he went through and laid waste. Now notice it says here, don't go out of your home. And uh, again, the destroyer, um, the destroyer to come into your house to strike you. Don't go outside. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. And it will come to pass when you come into the land, which the Lord will give you just as he promised the promised land, then you will keep this service. And it shall be that when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? Then you will say it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses and the children in the land of Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshiped. Whoa, a lot of stuff here. Let's look. Okay. It says that he struck the Egyptians and delivered our household. I have found when God moves in, in, in life, in your personal life, he does more than just the one thing you ask him to do. I think this is why God waits when we ask him to do something, because God accomplishes several things. The first thing it says that he did, he struck the Egyptians. The second thing he did was he delivered our household. So he dealt with the enemy of Israel, who they were slaves to, and he allowed the children of Israel to go to their promised land. That's the way God works. He doesn't just do one thing. He does more than just one thing when we ask him to intervene. So the people bowed their heads and worshiped. Wow. Have you ever thought about that? You know, we want to worship the Lord. It says they worship the Lord by just doing this bowing their heads and praying. Wow, isn't that amazing? That God takes your prayers as worship? You know, a lot of times we think, well, we got to be in a worship service and we have laser light shows and we got to be waving our hands and banners and dancing and twirling. And, you know, God says worship is just, I like that. God meets you right where you are. Isn't that great to know? That I don't have to be in a building. Now, I think coming to church in a, is, is good because we encourage one another. We bless one another. You bring something to everybody. Everybody brings something to you. A fellowship is the way it's supposed to work. It's, 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 it's really a grand thing. Where we act more like a family than a corporation. But that's what God wants. But it's always good to know that I can dial direct and save. I can just say, Lord, thank you. Bow your head. God counts it as worship. Then the children of Israel went away and did so just as the Lord commanded, as Moses and Aaron, so they did. 
So God gave the message to Moses and Aaron to communicate to the people. They did, and God answered. So we come into verse 29 here. And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Pharaoh wouldn't let God's firstborn go. God being a legal God says, okay, I'll take your firstborn. And that's exactly what he did. Now, as we look at this, remember, they were to kill the Passover lamb, the first part of chapter 12, which we didn't read this morning, we read last week. They were to take the lamb, they were to barbecue it, eat it, and they had no time for anything else because they were going to go and they were going to go fast, be ready to go. That's what Moses said. So it says, the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and the firstborn of livestock. Everything, the firstborn died. Wow, you think about this for a minute. And by the way, if we get up here, let's just fast forward to chapter 13, verse 1. Let's fast forward real quick. Something you may not know, maybe about yourself. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Sanctify me all the firstborn, whoever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and animal, it is mine. Wow, think about that for a minute. I got a weird question for you. How many here are a firstborn in your family? Just hold up your hand. It's really strange. You see that. See, God says, I own you. The first belongs to the Lord. Not what's left over, you know, well, nobody else wants it, I guess, so, you know, give it to God. No, God says, I get the first. He gets the best. So if you're a firstborn, remember, you belong to God already. Whether you love him or not, you belong to God. Now, I want to encourage you because, again, until we repent, we can't embrace him. But the thing is, I believe there's a special calling on people that are firstborns. Now, think about that for a minute. I'm serious. What does God want to do with you being you belong to him? Now, he says... I will strike the firstborn, which he did, clear down to the livestock. This is a really uh, an attack. This is really an attack on their god, Osiris, giver of life, the Egyptian god, giver of life, and Pharaoh, who is also a god in the Egyptian world. So their gods were not able to protect them from the real god. So Pharaoh rose in the night, he and all his servants, all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And they called for Moses and Aaron by night, saying, Rise, go out from among my people, both you and your children of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as you have said. Also take your flocks, your herds, as you have said, and be gone. And bless me also. Interesting, for a minute there, he had a heart of repentance. Unfortunately, as we'll read on here, that repentance wasn't very long. 
You know, we find a lot of times that, and we've shared this before, there'll be a lot of people in the world sometimes, they have a crisis, they'll call on God. God divinely answers them, and then they forget about God when things are good again. This is exactly what Pharaoh did. And so it says, get out. They had to leave so fast, that Passover meal, when they had to eat all the Passover lamb. By the way, as we'll read down here, there was 600,000 people on foot, men, that left, as not counting the children and the women, so probably somewhere around 2 million people left Egypt. And with them, all those lambs inside of them. You see, the lamb with, went with them wherever they go. Sound familiar? That Lamb of God inside of you that takes away the sins of the world inside of you is in you wherever you go. Well, anyway. So he called for him by night. Take your flocks, your herds, as you have said, and be gone and bless me. Verse 33, the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out in the land with haste. For the Egyptians said... We shall all be dead. If you don't do something, Pharaoh, we're all going to die. We've just went through nine plagues. Now this one, killing the firstborn. Get them out of here. Well, and so the people took their dough before it was leavened, having their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, for they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. So they went to the Egyptians, as Moses had said, and said, give us some gold, give us some silver. I think the people of Egypt were so scared of the children of Israel at that point, back a chapter or so, that they said, here, take this. Anything else you want? Just don't kill any more of our stuff. No more lice, no more frogs, no more darkness. Whatever you want, just take it. And God gave them favor. By the way, friends, I believe this. I believe God can give people in the world favor towards you. I believe that. In other words, God's grace isn't just from him, but God's grace is upon you, and I believe it's communicated through your heart to others. You know, God is a God of mercy, and God is a God of miracles. And it says very clearly here that he did this for them. By the way... Just real quick, they worked for them for 400 years, okay? God said it's payback time. You're not going to leave here for all your labor and get nothing. And so they left, and it says they plundered Egypt in this fashion. Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides the children and their wives, of course. A mixed multitude went up with them also, and flocks and herds, and a great deal of livestock. Whoa, 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 stop. It says here, a mixed multitude went up from them also. What's that mean? Well, evidently, in the process of the plagues, evidently in the process of God demonstrating that he's a true living God, not the false gods of Egypt, evidently there were Egyptians that said, Hey, 
we're on your side. We're leaving with you. The mixed multitude means it wasn't just Israelites only that were leaving. It was also those who believed in Yahweh went with them. You don't think your testimony means something in a lost and dying world? I believe it's very important that we understand that we radiate the presence of God. And so it says, it says that they baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened because they were driven out of Egypt and they could not wait, nor had they prepared provisions for themselves. Now sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt were 430 years. So the sojourn in Egypt was 430 years. The last part of that is where they became the slaves. And it says, and when it came to the end of the 430 years, on the very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night of solemn observance to the Lord for them bringing them out into the land, out of the land of Egypt. This is the night of the Lord, a solemn observance of the children of Israel throughout all generations. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is an ordinance of Passover. No outsider shall eat it. But every man's servant who is brought, bought for money, when you have circumcised him, he may eat of it. In other words, this is a solemn thing I want you to always remember, but it's not just for anybody. It's for those who truly believe in Yahweh. Now, listen, friends. Jesus is our Passover lamb. The world doesn't understand it. But when you, as a Christian, have that Paschal Lamb that took away the sins of the world, his blood upon your life, him inside of you. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you, not even in the end of the age. That's good news. He's inside of you. His protection is there with you. People see that. Verse 45, a sojourner and a hired servant shall not eat of it. In the house it shall be eaten. You shall not carry any of the flesh outside the house, nor shall you break one of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when a stranger sojourns with you and wants to keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his mills be circumcised. Let them come near, keep it, and he shall be a native of the land. For no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. By the way, very quickly, this whole thing about circumcision, you know, it's interesting. Paul the Apostle said, we are living sacrifices. I think it's kind of interesting. That was a sacrifice to the Lord. And by the way, if you go back to Exodus 4, where the Lord sought to kill Moses on his way to Pharaoh after God told him to go to Pharaoh, people say, well, what kind of a God is that? We find out why. He wouldn't sacrifice his two sons, Zephora was not a believer. She was not an Israelite. He knew that if he insisted upon circumcision, he would have a marital fight with his wife. And so therefore he didn't do it. He was on his way to Pharaoh. God sought to kill him. You know, it's interesting. He said, look, if you won't stand up to your own wife for what's right, how are you ever going to stand up for the king of the world, Pharaoh, in those days? And so we know it was a big fight because she circumcised her two sons, 
threw the foreskins at Moses and screamed, you're a bloody husband to me. He was right. It wasn't going to cause a fight. It did. But he did what God told him to do and God blessed him. Living sacrifices. So he says, one law shall be for the native born, for the stranger who sojourns among you. Thus all the children of Israel did as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. So it came to pass on that very same day, the Lord brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt according to all uh, uh, their armies. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, sanctify me all the firstborn, whoever opens the womb of the children of Israel, both man and animal, it is mine. I like that. I think about that. You belong to God. I pray that every one of you realize who you are in Christ. And you know, the other thing here that I think is really amazing is that Jesus, being our Paschal Lamb that took away the sins of the world, his blood was shed so that death angel would pass over you. In fact, people say, well, Mike, why is this important to even read? Really? I mean, it was a long time ago. Well, not only is it a reflection of Jesus, but do you realize when Jesus, after the seven-year tribulation period, the Bible says Jesus is going to come back to this earth, and for a thousand years, he's going to reign over this planet from Jerusalem, Israel. Interestingly enough, the Bible says you who love him will rule and reign with him. So you are all administrators in God's new order. Remember who you are. Don't let the devil rip you off. That's who you are. And if you forget who you are, the devil will tell you you're something else. Don't forget you belong to God and that you're part of his team. You're part of his new administration. You say, but why is that important? Because of this. There is a temple there in Jerusalem and animal sacrifice is reestablished. The Old Testament prophets tell us that it's going to be there. Well, if Jesus was the Paschal Lamb that took away the sins of the world, why in the world are they having sacrifices in this new temple in Jerusalem during the millennial reign of Christ as a memorial to remind everybody what Jesus did for the world? And so when you realize this lamb that was slain, that saved a household, there was one lamb saved for all of our household, humanity, and God then takes care of us. Every one of you have a divine calling on your life. I don't know if you spent 10 minutes this week asking God what it was, but I want to encourage you to do that. Say, Lord, what would you have me do for you? And I believe God will open and close the doors miraculously to direct you where he wants you to be. Now, I got to tell you this. Sometimes the closing of God's doors in your life are painful. They just are. Because as God closes a door, remember, he'll open the door where he wants you to go. I have found I can spend endless hours on things that don't matter, where God wants me to spend time in his kingdom on things that will last forever. And it's God's loving hand, our Heavenly Father's loving hand, that guides us and redirects us, our energies, so that our life will carry a reward forever. Or you can piddle away your life 
I use this illustration, it still haunts me because I got to tell you, I don't care whether I've gone to the Goodwill or wherever it is or yard sales, here in a box, anything in box, 25 cents. And there'll be trophies in there that once meant so much to the individual who got it, now being sold for a quarter. I pray that God never lets any of you hearing this illustration ever forgets this. I want my life to mean more than a yard sale quarter box. Look at this great accomplishment. Doesn't mean anything to anybody. Even their kids don't want the trophy. God says, I've got something better for you to do. How about a trophy that's never going to fade away and you'll be rewarded forever because of it? Man, I go, man, that's a pretty good deal. Letting God be God, redirecting our life, closing doors and opening doors. But God, I really like that door. God says, I'm going to open it anyway. God's going to move us where he wants us to be. Always remember, He's the master, we're the servant. Oh, this doctrine that's out there that I told God, I just use my faith words and I just, whatever I want, I get because I blabbed it and grabbed it. No, that's not the Jesus I want. You know why? Because I know I don't know what I want. I go in my garage and I look around and I go, I don't know what I want. I got stuff in there, I don't even know what it is. Why did I buy this? My wife yesterday, she, she, had a, she says, Mike, what's this? And I go, well, it goes to the car. She goes, what is it? And I go, I don't know. It looked like a, like a wheel cover for like a tire. But I know I wouldn't buy that. But what is it? I don't know. I looked at it and I go, do you put it on the steering wheel to keep it cool in the summer? I don't know what it is. I'll show anybody and you can tell me if you might know. And then once you tell me what it is, then I got to figure out why did I buy it? This concerns me. Is it Alzheimer's or just, what is this? Ah, but let me tell you something. I know it's not just me. I've been to some of your yard sales. I've seen stuff in the package for sale that never were opened. So you know what that tells me? I need somebody bigger than me to run my life. And you know something? There's nothing demeaning about that. I think it's a wise man that realizes life is bigger than they are. If you're not a Christian here this morning, you need Jesus. Because you're running your life from either the advice of your friends, what you deduce life to be, your conclusions of life, and to find out you're wrong in the end would be devastating. I would invite you today, as the Bible says, that Paschal Lamb. You know, one of the other things in that Last Supper, first part of chapter 12 talks about, is the bitter herbs. It's weird why you would have this great barbecue of lamb and, oh, it smelled so good, and you eat the bitter herbs. What's that about? Because that was to remind those in future generations of the bitterness it was to be in slavery. you got to remember something. We forget. 
You know, sometimes they go, well, you know, if you're from California or somewhere else, you remember, oh, I used to be able to go to the beach and it was so nice. And they, You know what you forgot? The bumper-to-bumper traffic on the 405 to get to the beach. You forgot the extreme taxes and the uh, rent or the house payments that you had to pay. We forget that. That's why the bitter herbs were part of the Passover meal. To remind them, hey, being a slave in Egypt was not good. When we get into chapter 13, interestingly enough, as Moses comes up to the Red Sea, Pharaoh's army is coming in from behind. They looked at Moses and the bitter herbs were already forgotten. They looked at Moses and said, "Is there was there not enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die? We would have been better off to serve the Egyptians. Wow. Bitter herbs already forgotten. Do you forget what it was like to be a slave to the devil? Oh, but you know, back in those days, I could go partying with my friends, wreck my car, and couldn't remember if I had a good time the night before. Yeah! Really? God's got a better plan. The Bible says... There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, there's destruction. This morning, if you're not a Christian, we're going to pray. You can ask Christ in your life. Because you need to repent of the kooky way you've lived. I did. In fact, I found sometimes in my life, I still have to repent of the kooky way I live. You see, that's one of the things his promises, King David said, are new every morning. If you need to pray and get right with God, realizing that, paschal lamb that was slain for you without the shedding of blood there's no forgiveness of sin God's a legal God it's either your blood or his blood pick that lamb that was slain is for you that was Jesus because he loved you God so loved the world he sent his only begotten son but if you believe in him you won't perish but you'll have everlasting life what a great deal you trade away something you can't keep for something you'll never lose. What a deal. Let's pray. If you need to get right with God, wherever you are, let's pray. If you're driving in your car down the road, don't close your eyes. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, that I have lived my life in rebellion to you, and I'm sorry. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins. Make me a new person in you. So from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. I believe you rose from the dead to give me life every day. So now fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to be about your purpose for my life. And thank you for eternal life with you forever in Jesus' name. Amen.